For People Magazine, Peter Travers describes this film as high-spirited and hilarious. This movie supplies that special kick you get from movie comedy when laughter bubbles over into bliss. Duncan Wu of Sight and Sound says the narrative has all the frantic intensity of a nightmare, which with its constant shifts of pace and mood works beautifully both as a thriller and as comedy. And to paraphrase Letterboxd user Hai Saishi, spelled H-I-S-A-I-S-H-I, props to the X-Files and this movie for making me want to fuck a member of the goddamn FBI. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Married to the Mob. Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Oh, uh, is that are you? Yeah. Are you Tony the Tiger? Yeah, I'm Tony the Tiger. Oh, delightful. To- delightful. Tony the Tiger here, cause he's Tony the Tony the Tiger. Married to the mob on ruined childhoods. It, hey. It's finally everyone's been waiting for this one. It's finally happening. Episode one forty eight. I welcome to Ruined Childhoods, the final Ruined Childhoods of 2021. I know, and we are using that time to talk about a movie that time kind of forgot. Um, yeah, kind of. It's one of the, you know, it doesn't, and and this is something I want to kind of come back to in general about a lot of the uh, summer 1988 movies. Oh, Um, interesting. Yeah. Not a year Um, that I think we talk about much. No, no, it's it's not. And, uh, you know, we can get into it once we start to talk about Married to the Mob. I know you have some. uh, Well, first, what first things first. Thank you to everybody who has done their holiday shopping on the Ruined Childhoods store at tpublic.com. We're getting orders left and right. It's fantastic. And uh, everything that you do helps to support the show. Uh, It's definitely appreciated. And please, please, please send us pictures uh, with your... With your newfound holiday happiness, your your ruined childhoods paraphernalia, be it an Oliphant Oli, OnlyFans <laughs> T-shirt or a a good journey. Yeah, I think our latest bag. our latest order from the time that we're recording this is a uh, "Don't hassle me, I'm vaccinated" T-shirt. I. Uh, which I love. I mean the the what about I commend Bob? Yeah. I commend the the buyer twice over. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, a big thank you to everybody doing that. And you can find a link to that as well as all of our social media stuff in our link tree that's in the uh, episode's description. And also we've got uh, some news. And and the thing is like this news came up uh, like two weeks ago, like right after we recorded the last episode because we kind of, uh, you know, did them quick because Dan was on a little vacay, a well-deserved vacay. Uh, welcome back to the mainland from from Aloha, Hawaii. Uh, so this, so I know that we had recently talked about a new Zorro property that was going to involve a hacker, but allegedly there is a. Uh, this is according to Deadline. Will Wilmer Valderrama to EP and star in a reimagined Zorro series for Disney branded television. 
So this is a, a, a different one. This is a totally different thing. So <laughs> there are so many, and you know, we our Zorro episode is in the archives, but we there are so many different like proposed Zorro projects. Yeah. So according to A.O. Davis, the president of Disney branded television, we're reimagining this Disney classic as a compelling period piece set in Pueblo de Los Angeles, but told in a very modern telenovela style with richly drawn Ooh. contemporary characters and relationships set against the action, drama, suspense, and humor of the original iconic Zorro. Wilmer shares our commitment to reflect the interesting and rich diversity of the human experience, and we look forward to delivering a culturally relevant and entertaining story with uh, definitional characters. I, I don't really see that word a lot. Uh, that will connect with our viewers for generations to come. Wilmer Valderrama, you know... I it, this is so weird, John. This is so how is this it is weird? such a the universe. Well, because how often do you say, "Man, I just watched a, a Wilmer Valderrama movie," and yet here I am saying, "I just watched a, a Wilmer Valderrama movie the other day uh, with my with my daughter. We we watched Unaccompanied Minors, oh, the okay. 2006 family uh, holiday." comedy directed by Paul Feig and oh yeah um, and yeah Wilmer Valderrama is uh you know plays one of the main characters in it and I was thinking I was I was just, you know kind of thinking about him I was like you know what like there's a guy who had some I know he had some issues had some had some problems some challenges uh and I believe some substance abuse issues to be more specific. And uh but I'm hoping this means that he's kind of, you know, I'm getting back on the horse, uh, figuratively yeah. and literally. Well the tele the the, oh, enter no, the entertainment. Shit. I did not mean it. I did was not referring to heroin. Oh, no. I in Whoa. Oh no. No, Yikes. I I know uh, that I, was a close no, one. No, 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 no. No, no. I am I am glad I'm hoping he is riding the horse, not chasing the dragon. Oh, jeepers, creepers. We gotta get out of we gotta get out of this conversation <laughs> immediately. Uh we ride off into the sunset oh, on, boy, oh, boy, on that oh, boy, pony. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, See, here I was thinking, do I, do I say pony? I say, no, I'm going to say horse. No, you went for and, it. You know, the hard big, age. Big As Jack Slater would say, big mistake. Big mistake. Yes. Um, I, You know, I'm going to share some news with our uh, with our listeners okay. as well. This is not uh, not movie related other than that. Uh, I, I, you know, in a few in the space time in the time in the time and space of a few months uh, from now, I will probably be watching a lot of, um, you know, very silly movies at, at late at, at early morning hours because I, I will my wife and I and our daughter will be welcoming a new baby into the That's family. Right. Um, uh, you know, uh, release date expected, uh, early April. Yeah. So. Uh, we, I told Dan that if we need to, you know, pump the brakes on the podcast and he's like, no, 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 no. I've got my priorities We're gonna, straight. We're just going to, no, we are going to plan accordingly. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, this is, and this is going to be, you know, a, uh, very exciting for all of us. You know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm. Thrilled that I I have just another excuse now to go up to Seattle from Portland and uh, 
and hang with a, a an expanding family. So that's exciting. You'll be an uncle twice over. This is true. And uh, and yeah, you uh, and, and were you thinking about this because you're thinking of I don't know the name Wilmer. Is that like kind of being <laughs> tossed around? Well, I'm thinking about either Matthew or Moody. Oh, and on that <laughs> note, let's talk about Married to the Mob. No, you can only do Matthew and Mo- or Modine if you have twins like Jiminy Glick. If we were having twins, first of all, uh, yeah, the podcast would probably happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but also, I would definitely... It, I would definitely at some point suggest Matthew and Modine as oh my god. As, as, so I'm well, sorry, you know when I we're was big Jiminy Glick fans. I have here. a uh, a list of uh, potential dog names, and you know I just uh, recently <laughs> got a, a puppy Rufio, and which was not on this list. But uh, if I was to be getting two dogs, the names Matthew and Modine are most certainly on there. But I would. I would love. We'll that. see. That, I mean, amazing. maybe future dogs. We'll see. Uh, well, speaking of of the actual single person whose name is Matthew yes. Modine, a star of Married to the Mob. Yeah, uh, nineteen eighty eight, uh, directed by Academy Award winning director Jonathan Demme. Mm-hmm. Uh, a follow up, a follow up to his uh, somewhat similar in tone, uh, something wild from nineteen eighty six. Uh, and up until that point, I, I want to say he had been known mostly for, for like concert films. He directed, uh, Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense. And I, you know, I think that was kind of what, what he was known for. Uh, and then he did these kind of kooky, wacky, like adult comedies. Right. And... Yeah, why don't you why don't you uh, give us a little background yeah, here, and, set up and, the context? And the, actually, I I want to come back to what you just said because I'm assuming this is R rated. Yes. Yeah, this is an R rated comedy, uh, which is something that like is super rare these days. I don't. I, maybe it's because they don't work well in like foreign markets or something like that. But like, I it was the kind of thing that like, you know, definitely dropped off for a while and then kind of picked back up. With, you know, the Judd Apatow kind of s- cinematic universe a little bit. But it definitely yeah. dropped off a little bit. Yeah, I, I would say if you, if you think of, you know, contemporary R-rated comedies, especially from the last like 10, 15, even 20 years, most of them, I think, all come back. There's some connection to that Judd Apatow All of them have world. Seth Rogen in them. That's it. Seth Rogen is involved somehow. Will Ferrell cameos, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm I have to apologize because here I am, like talking about Jonathan Demme, like Married to the Mob was like one of his first movies, and prior to that, he made his directorial debut in 1974 with Caged Heat. Caged Heat. You, you might have seen that on Cinemax uh, late <laughs> late in the caged. evening, uh, and and he also directed the film Melvin and Howard, uh, huh. which was a big. Uh, Big, I know. That's interesting about our, because that's, uh, our grandfather and our father. <laughs> yeah, and our uh, yeah. It's, no, it's ninety minutes of kvetching. Uh, and, uh, um, Their names are Mel- uh, Melvin and Howard. So yeah. No, it's actually Melvin. Uh, it's it's Howard Hughes is the Howard in question. Oh, oh I was making a joke, Dan. I, yeah. I wasn't saying it. Was I know. No, I know you were about, making. I'm, oh, yeah. there's a movie made about. Oh, I never knew. No, uh, he did Swing Shift in 1984. Uh, you know, with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Right. It might have been where they met. Oh. Uh, 
and then with some something wild, uh, pairing up Jeff Daniels and uh, Melanie Griffith. You know, I've never almost seen said it. Melanie Linsky for oh, some reason. Melanie Melanie Linsky would have been a little child, maybe a baby. Yet, had they remade something wild, um, uh, Melanie Linsky actually would have been a good. Uh, yeah, she's noted for the future. Uh, she is in Don't Look Up on Netflix right now. And she's magnificent. I can't fantastic. wait to watch that. My wife will kill me in my sleep if I watch yeah. it without her. So uh, yeah, uh, and and the yeah. the something wild. I've never actually seen it, but I've I have the like the poster in like my brain. It's just there. Yeah, yeah, with the upside down, like yep. Jeff Daniels and Melanie Griffith looking up, and I had the soundtrack. What's on I the, the soundtrack to what's on the soundtrack? It's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of like new wave and there's okay. a, there's, there's an instrumental UB 40 track on oh, it. Oh, is that what piqued your interest? I think it's what drew my attention to it. And then I looked at it and there's like some j- good Jimmy cliff on there. And, um, Oh God, there's a great song by, I want to say it's uh Chris France from the talking heads. Okay. I know it's like one of the other talking heads. And it's a really good song by, by them. I, I cannot think of it off the top of my head, but something wild, uh, you know, and, and that, and married to the mob also, you, you definitely get Jonathan Demi's like love of and knowledge of, like the new wave music scene. Um, gotcha. It's bookended by New Order's Bizarre Love Triangle. Oh, okay. And it's got a lot of like, there's a lot of like reggae in the middle. I want to say there's like some Jimmy Cliff in there. Um, and some, oh, what's this? There's like an instrumental that Isn't, they're playing at the end. I believe that there's a version of Bizarre Love Triangle, Triangle on the Married to the Mob soundtrack. That's what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I'm sorry. I, th- I thought, I'm sorry. Oh, I thought you were talking about something wild. I segued. I segued. I did it really smoothly. Uh, so smooth. Didn't even see it. No. Didn't even hear my it. My transition, my trend, it was uh, the, you know, it was it was married to the mob. You also see his, ah. the soundtrack to that also features, yes. uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of those bands that were, um, you know, more considered more like new wave, or you right. know, not exactly main mainstream. Yeah, and it's a really funky, strange movie that, uh, and I'm going to synopsize it in a moment. But it's like it's very off kilter. It is not a. It's like it's there's some things about it that make it seem almost so strange that it doesn't exist in our universe. You know, right. Yeah, it is. Um, and it, it, it it's funny because it almost is. It's like Jonathan Demi has his like the Jonathan Demi players. You know, we talk about huh. certain actors and directors. Tracy Walter, uh, who I, I know we've talked about him uh, before. I forget which. You know, he was in Young Guns, too. We didn't really talk about oh, him. Oh, OK. But, uh, you know, Tracy Walter. He's pops Mr. Up. He's the, Chicken the, Lickin'. He's yeah. the chicken, like he's the the yeah the pervy well, well, yeah. manager there. Yeah. Oh, uh, why don't I? Why uh, Chris don't I, Isaac. Chris Isaac. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I'm gonna awesome Chris Isaac tune on the soundtrack. By the way, plays over the ending credits. Of course, there is. Uh, all right. So let's hear a synopsis for anybody who hasn't seen Married to the Mob. And I, so uh, a friend of mine texted me the other night and said uh, and asked me what movie should I watch tonight, and I was just like. What like what kind of vibe are you feeling? And she was just like anything. And I was like, I'm gonna give you three options. And Married to the Mob was one of them. She watched Married to the Mob, loved it. Had never even heard of it before. Loved it. Really? Yeah. Really. Yeah. 
So okay. uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, which is very likely, uh, unless you have uh, found this podcast because we're talking about Married to the Mob, in which case, you know what I'm about to say. All right, here we go. Angela DeMarco thinks she has it all. A house in the burbs, a delightful son, and a charming husband, Frank. But in his circles, he is known as Cucumber, which may allude to how cool he is in his nefarious dealings. But for one waitress named Karen, Cucumber may mean something else, as they're having an affair. What's even more scandalous is that Karen is also Frank's boss, Tony's mistress. And when Tony finds out, the Cucumber gets turned into Swiss cheese. Now, Angela is faced with a difficult decision. Does she stray in the... Does she stay in the burbs with her son and the unwelcome sexual advances of Tony? Or she can get away from the mob entirely and try to start over fresh. Angela chooses the latter. She takes her son and flees to New York, where they land in a tiny apartment with a bathtub in the kitchen. She ends up working at a hair salon across the street where she becomes close friends with the owner. She also forms a relationship with the quirky guy who lives in the building. But what she doesn't know is that he's an FBI agent following her because he believes what many others also believe, that she's in cahoots with Tony. What he doesn't see coming is that they actually fall for each other. And when he finds the truth that she isn't involved with Tony, they work together to take him down. Eh? How is that? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just I mean, gonna run down the a... cast list just a little bit. Angela is played by Michelle Pfeiffer brilliantly. Uh yes. The FBI agent Mike is Matthew Modine. Uh Tony the Tiger Russo is Dean Stockwell. His wife, Connie Russo, is Mercedes Rule. Uh just like totally killing it. I love how frequently Mercedes rules. She does. I love how frequently she comes up on this podcast. We seem to be covering like her entire filmography slowly but surely. <laughs> and and I am. I mean, probably not even, probably not, I don't, probably not even close yet. But well, uh, yeah. But we, I mean, she's come up more than I would expect for her to come up. True, true. Yes, and she is such a, a standout uh, in this. Um, as we're going through the, uh, I'm sorry. Did you? Uh, oh, I just I wanted, wanted to mention that in, Alec Baldwin yeah. plays Cucumber. Uh, yep. Oliver Platt is the other FBI agent. Joan Cusack is one of the, you know, mob wives. She's a mob wife, right? I'm, yeah. Yeah. Rose. Right. And she's amazing. Yeah. Of course, as as always. It's, it's actually interesting because if you think about like breakout years for actors, and yeah. I think about 1988, I think about... Uh, Alec Baldwin and Joan Cusack in this end, Working Girl. I was just going to say, what year was Working Girl? Was that 88? Same year. Oh, man. Same year. Yeah, Joan Cusack and is great like in Working very, Girl. Like a similar, almost like they could take place in the same world, even though they're not. Yeah. Like it's not, like like it would to it would fit in perfectly if you saw like Angela DeMarco as she's as she's walking you know like looking for a job that she would walk right past Melanie Griffith's character yeah. from from Working Girl. Yeah, right. And, and and also this is the year of Beetlejuice, right? Yes. Yeah. So yes. Alec Baldwin is definitely uh, pr pretty busy around this time. Having a moment. Yeah. He's having a moment. 
Um, it, and I could point out, so I'd like to point out some other, uh, you know, kind of standouts here, sure. people that you might not know their names, but you would know what they've done. Uh, and also the, the, the other, um, Jonathan Demi players, uh, we've got, so we've got Tracy Walter, we've got Charles Napier, who is Angela's hairdresser, Ray at the beginning. Right. And you'd recognize him from Silence of the Lambs as, and also Chris Isaac is in, I think they're in the same scene. In fact, in Silence mm. of the Lambs, Paul Lazar, who uh-huh. plays Tommy um, who's one of uh, Tony the Tiger's henchmen. Right. Paul Lazar, you would recognize as one of the uh, entomologists in uh, um, in Silence of the Lambs. I was, yeah, I was going to say, the movie you just uh, said? Yeah. As well, yes. Uh, and also, not, not a Jonathan Demi player, but Ellen Foley as one of the other mob wives, who you might recognize, not necessarily her face, but her voice, and you would know it if you heard her say the line, stop right there. Oh, okay. The vocalist singing opposite Meatloaf in <laughs> Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Oh, geez. Wow. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I mean, and also, yeah, Trey Wilson. It's I'm just, I love, like, putting actors together in different things. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Trey Wilson and Alec Baldwin were in Great Balls of Fire together uh, the next year. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, also, and then uh, calling back to the Jonathan Demi connection to music, you've got David Johansson of the New York Dolls right. as as the priest who does uh, uh, Cucumber's funeral. Oh, yeah. And my God, Grandpa Al Lewis from the Munsters right. as Tony the Tiger's uncle. I, lo- I love his casting in it. And, you know, a lot of these actors, they just pop up in one scene, but it's really just always nice to see them because they're... They're so familiar. Yeah. And I just want to mention <laughs> that if anybody isn't familiar with David Johansson from his work with the New York Dolls, you might be familiar with him as Buster Poindexter. Right. Yes. Yeah. Of hot, hot, hot fame. And I want to say also, did I forget that Oliver Platt is also in Working Girl or am I making that up? I don't remember him in Working Girl, but I... I think he's... Yep. Working Girl. He's, okay. He's Lutz. He's, he's just like a, one of a, the... a, an employee there at the office or something, maybe. Yeah. I think he's like some... like He's skeezy somehow in it. Um, <laughs> I love you know, Oliver more, Platt. He's so great. Love, Oli- love Oliver Platt. I, I can't... I. I, although there were so many scenes watching him in this where I couldn't help thinking of him as Harry Rex in It's Time oh. to Kill. And, Sweaty oh, love. Oh, she, she did him a lot. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, so good. I love Oliver Platt. So yeah, Married to the Mob, oh, it's great. it's so funky. It's very bizarre. Uh, there's almost like a cartoonish quality to the, to the mob wives. You know, the way that they surround uh angela in the supermarket and kind of to to like threaten her it, you know it's just like very silly it it reminded me a little bit of like not exactly like heathers but like i felt like uh-huh. there was a similar style of humor where it was like you know taking things out of our world a little bit and uh and also you know of course we have to mention uh, Matthew Modine's like uh, getting dressed rig that he has like on his bed that just like it's puts so his clothes on. Great. It's so funky and strange, and uh, I love it. And he's just like a really doofy, quirky guy. And I, uh, 
you know, you look at Matthew Modine's career and it's like really had some like interesting moments in it. And I feel like this is one that should be considered, you know, one of the one of the greats as far as I'm concerned. Well, and this was his follow up to, you know, being in Full Metal Jacket. Right. Yeah. The year before. Yeah. Which I so, think I remember, you know, I watched Married to the Mob like a few weeks ago and I believe I remembered seeing something about how like uh, Full Metal, going from Full Metal Jacket to this was like strange for him because he was still a little like effed up from the experience on that, which is like no surprise. And I wondered about that. I thought about like, oh, this might be like, this was probably a, a nice, you know, break. Like, you know, you're filming in New York and it's fun and it's loose and you're, you know, playing op, you know, opposite Michelle Pfeiffer, who. Oh, yeah. Ma- so magnificent in this. And it is so quirky. I love the how the opening credits set it up for that quirkiness because it's got that cartoonish yeah. 80s where it's like the logo from the poster. Yeah. And it comes zooming in and then they you have all like the machine gun fire and like the titles get shot up. And it, it, it's very it is very much like cartoonish. And in fact, uh, Jonathan Demi had said that uh his goal wasn't to make a movie about organized crime. Uh, you know, it was to make a, a comedy uh-huh. and he, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm, I'm looking for the, for the quote. It says, he said, um, I'm quoting from a Los Angeles times article from, uh, it's an, it's archives. Uh, it was, this was published in originally in 1988, right after Married to the Mob was, was released. And he said that, uh, he said, it's a gangster picture, but it's an escapist film, not a film about organized crime. When you start talking about real mob activities, illegal dumping of toxic waste, Uh drug peddling. And then he said, I bet if I'd thought about it too much, I could never have made a comedy. Which makes it actually answers a lot of the questions uh-huh. that I had. Like, for instance, at one scene, in one scene, you know, Tommy is driving Tony around and they both get in the car. And, and I'm like, why does Tony get in the car before Tommy starts it? Why wouldn't he wouldn't he have Tommy right. get in the car and start the car to make sure it doesn't blow up? And for a while, in fact, just before the rival gangsters showed up i was like where are all the like these are not gangsters that are like living in secret this is not like the sopranos right. no 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 were they really trying to i mean they're like, more like is, the he, dick tracy villains <laughs> you know they're just like very much of, out yeah. in the open <laughs> everybody knows what they're up to you can find them real easily yeah well the dick tracy villains they were the only ones who had like you know prune face yeah or flat, flat top. top heads and uh can we talk a little bit, by the way, about it? So we're talking about the casting. And first of all, the the casting of Michelle Pfeiffer as uh, yeah, as a mob wife, I would say is a bit against type. Like totally, at that yeah. time, at that time, I mean, sh- like Cher, I mean, of course, Cher had just done Moonstruck. So right. I doubt she probably would have done it. And also Cher would have been a much better Connie. But Cher would have been. Not, not better than Mercedes Rule. It would have been great. But yeah, Mercedes Rule. <laughs> no. Ugh. No, 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 no. Chef. No. Mercedes Rule Mercedes Rule's wonderful. Mercedes Rule also has that like that versatility and where you can kind of fit her. You can cast her you know, at pretty much any type of role. But I feel like Michelle Pfeiffer up to this point, aside from like the toughness, I I saw a lot of the toughness from Grease too. 
The toughness from Grease 2 and also a little bit of the toughness from Scarface. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Dean Stockwell uh-huh. as the mob boss is such genius casting. And it wasn't, it, you know, he wasn't the, he wasn't who Jonathan Demi originally had in mind. Oh, yeah. And then he just like he saw a picture of him <laughs> and he was he didn't even know who he, he saw this picture and he was like, who is this? And didn't recognize him as Dean Stockwell and Dean Stockwell of well nominated for an Academy Award for his performance yeah. here. Yeah. And uh just and poor one out. I think we, we lost Dean Stockwell this this past I year. Think so, yeah. And uh just such a wonderful actor. I know most people think of uh Quantum Leap, but right. uh, yeah. I I do I think probably more so of Blue Velvet and uh-huh. Married to the Mob. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I think of Dean Stockwell. He's great. He's fantastic. I I love when uh so I I mentioned in the synopsis the the waitress played by Nancy Travis. Uh I think her name was Karen in it. And I yeah. uh, and this was, you know, right before she got, you know, a little bit more notoriety. I think she was in Three Men and a Baby like the same year maybe around there. Uh year before, yeah. Year before. Okay. And she She's fantastic in this. And yeah, they she's a waitress at this place that like all the mob guys go to. And like the guy behind the piano, when he sees Tony walk in, he plays Tony the Tiger. And he's just like, oh, yeah, it's in, or, fantastic. in this like theme restaurant where you would probably see like, you know, families eating. And, yeah. and he's, you know, an, he's playing entrance music for the amazing, mob boss. amazing. I love it. I love it. Yeah, there, there's so much about it that I really like. I love how much the I love how I love the pace of the movie. Yeah, uh, I love the the energy of the movie. Uh, the I love the eightiesness of the movie. Eighties New York. For some reason, it's like I watch eighties New York movies and I get nostalgic. Not necessarily <laughs> for actual eighties New York. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, Uh-oh, yeah, you're ruffling so some much. paper around. What do you got? Oh, I'm ruffling. I had, I I had to. Oh, you, you know, took, I took my notes. notes. Uh, yeah, manual manual notes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I and I have to point out uh, for our brother Scott uh, of uh, New York's Scott's Pizza Tours that when you see the outside of Matthew Modine's apartment, I'm pretty sure he lives down the block from the ori- Grimaldi's oh. by the Brooklyn Bridge. Because he lives right, like he walked out, and Man, I, almost, I hope he didn't get like, rid of that place. Verbally said, "Well, I think it, it's <laughs> like now an ice cream shop." Or <laughs> oh no, I'm just saying, like, like yeah, you know, you you have that rent then now, like the you oh, know that yeah. 80s oh, yeah. rent now, right yeah. in that area. Forget it. Oh You're yeah, living no, large. I mean, even her apartment with the bathtub in the kitchen. Yeah, no shit. Ugh. What would that? I was thinking, yeah, but but then it was because what know, part of town yeah, is she yeah. in? She's. She's in the she's in the lower east lower east side. side. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, and which is which I thought it, it, that was another interesting thing because I was like, if you're if you're kind of trying to get away from the mob, why would you move so close to Little Italy? <laughs> but interesting. They don't. But if you're not, you know, for audiences who don't know New York, you know, Manhattan geography there's no signs of you don't see that little italy is like you know yeah. a few blocks to the north right but 
Yeah, there's so many great scenes in this, and well, yeah, uh, you mentioned the the scene with uh, what's the place called again? Uh, chicken Lickin. Chicken. Yeah, yeah so chicken, chicken Lickin. So she's going to apply for a job there because I think she just sees a help wanted sign, and she, you know, the guy who owns the place essentially makes her like strip down and put on this like jacket that they have there, and it's it's. It's gross. I mean, it's meant to just be funny, but it's, you know, it's a gross, uncomfortable scene and, you know, is a great way to set up her wearing this ridiculous jacket as she's kind of like running around and uh, after she storms out of that place. But yeah, I don't know. It's it adds color to the movie and it and it just shows what she's willing to do to you know, get away from this past of hers and, and make things right for herself and her son. Yeah, I mean, it's also not unrealistic. No, it's not. Especially for for that, for for then. But I mean, sadly, even for now. Yeah. Not entirely unrealistic. Uh, There's some great scenes. It also, like, it moves so fast. There's not a lot of stalling that happens in moving the plot along. Yeah. Which I really appreciate about it. You know, one of my gripes, and I've I've talked about it before, is that movies are just t- too long now. Like two and a half hour comedies are that's like that's too much. I feel like for a movie to be over two hours, there needs to be a really good reason for it. Uh, especially over the two fifteen part. Two fifteen, I'm I'm kind of good with, but. Once you get past that, it's like, all right, there's got to be a, a good reason. Like, this has got to be like a Lawrence of Arabia type thing here well, to make this. Yeah, I mean, worth if it. if it has, if every scene does something to move the plot forward, then I'm engaged, and it can be as long as it needs to be. Yeah, but if there's, but it, I mean, if there's fluff in there, then you know. But it's not like they carry on this like charade of a relationship for a long time. They go out on a date, and the next day she finds out that Matthew Modine is a yeah. is an FBI agent, and they bring her in and they try to you know, get her to to work with them. Oh, because she had Tony gave her all of these gifts that were right. of course stolen goods on top of all the other stolen goods they had in their yeah in their house. And then she tries to, she wants to, she gives it all away to Goodwill. Yeah. Including the house. So that's how the FBI gets her is because she, all these things she donated were stolen. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, that's how they kind of, they get her involved. I love the scene, by the way, when, when they uh, confront her. And I, w- one of the touches I really enjoyed about uh, just kind of the character work and the dressings and all that. Trey Wilson, who plays like the FBI, yeah. not the FBI director, but like kind of the the boss, Modine sure. and Platt's boss, he's got a he's wearing a hairpiece. It is not comically obvious, right. but it is like realistically obvious. It's like, yes, that is about the level of hairpiece he could afford. Like it matches the other hair, but you can tell it's a piece. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there was there was a lot of attention paid to all the details to make this movie feel just like slightly over the top and strange without it feeling like you're watching something like really dumb. Like it actually works really well. Uh, And then there's some really sharp, like just the dialogue. I love when, when the FBI is basically extorting her into helping them. And, and she says, you're just like the mob. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, it, it's so it's so good, and yet there's also these really great like what I what I also appreciate about Demi is that he kind of knows when to throw in the style. Yeah. And he knows when, like when, when Tony kind of puts it all together Uh and he places, I also like that they don't make Tony out to be a complete schmuck. Yeah. And he, he figures out and he, he, when he sees Modine and he remembers him from running into him. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> um, so Downey. I should refer to him as Agent Downey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the character's name. So, but the scene when he figures it out, and you see him, they're like walking into the lobby of the hotel uh, in in Miami. And, right at the end, the the sting, and you see him like, and you see him think about like, where have I seen this guy yeah, before? Uh-huh. And he's going through all of the different disguises that yes. he's seen Downey in. Yeah, it's uh, that whole Miami scene at the end is very funny, very clever, and oh, just really so entertaining. Good. And uh, uh, yeah. the way it all comes together, Mercedes Rule again, uh, Mercedes Rule at the airport scene. Oh my God, she's I, uh, I like. This is one of those movies where I feel like people can go watch it and should go watch it if you're listening to this. So I don't want to like give too much away because oh, this is yeah, one of those okay. where it's like, you know, I can't imagine too many people would have either seen this or, or remember it. I don't know if it's one that people are really watching much these days. It is streaming on one of the big streaming platforms. It's on HBO Max. It's on HBO Max, yeah. So definitely check it out it's okay it's a real yeah. delight we'll withhold any more uh divulgences of of plot because it this really is and this is where we come back to the like like kind of the uh, like the summer of 1988 we've talked about our love of the summer of 1987 oh yeah take me previously back. take me back and I'm excited because I know that that in our not too distant future we'll be covering a movie from that summer. Uh, so uh, yeah, just dropping a little hint here. Uh, but we like 1988 is kind of like like 1987. There were like all of these these like big like summer movies. Whether they were whether they were like you know re- really of quality like a, a La Bamba or. Yeah. Or, or just kind of like goofy fun, like a Dragnet uh, or even Jaws the Revenge. It was still like they were these big movies. And in 1988, it, it kind of felt a lot more. It was like you had movies like Big, which is a PG rated movie, but arguably probably more, I would say, yeah, more for adults. Yeah. I feel like as an adult, you get it a lot more with with Big uh cocktail was another big movie from the summer of 1988 of course we talked about that on the Shawshank sure Redemption did. episode yeah you made us uh, talk about that i did i did uh but yeah so like cocktails a big movie from that summer uh i mean Be- beetlejuice is more of a spring from the spring and then you had like who framed roger rabbit uh-huh. was that summer it was kind of like an oddball summer big top peewee Interesting, yeah. So, so it was kind of like a lot of these like kids geared movies that were m- maybe more for adults because even Who Framed Roger Rabbit, yeah, uh-huh. I think, I th- I think has a more. I mean, like kids can appreciate it on a certain level, but adults 
can appreciate it on more levels, especially if you've seen Chinatown. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so, and then here you have ma- married to the mob and this quirky, uh, yeah, this, this quirky adult R rated comedy mob movies weren't really like huge. I'm trying to think of like big mob movies from the eighties that were like there's Scarface and once upon a time in America in the early eighties, but you don't really have like Goodfellas comes out in 90. Yeah. You don't really have a lot of that. Like a lot of those, uh, like these mafia movies. So it's not, it's not like, you know, not coming out as part of a trend. Right. What year was my blue heaven? 90. 90. Yeah. So, because that's, I mean, that's. Remember, it's the sequel to Goodfellas that came out beforehand. Yes, I know. But I was thinking about how, uh, you know, it's it's a comedic mob movie. And the only other one I could really think of, aside from like, uh, you know, a Leslie Nielsen uh, mafia mafia, with Lloyd Bridges. Lloyd Bridges. Yeah. You know, it's like, aside from that, you know, you have My Blue Heaven and they kind of exist, kind of the same style of comedy where I. it's kind of like goofy and oddball and and Joan Cusack is there and yeah. uh <laughs> I was just going to say yeah and uh and I and feel like they both it's slightly like yeah. my blue heaven is slightly a skewed world well yeah i mean when you have all of the mafia guys who've gone into witness protection ending up in this like part of florida together and like forming this little community that's like a really funny quirky thing that's like Probably not based at all in reality, but it's like it works for the comedy of the movie. I mean, who knows? But you know, as we've discussed on the My Blue Heaven episode, it, God, it is a long time definitely ago. more based in reality than we originally yeah. thought. Yeah, right. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> um, I think that the the style of comedy that this uh, exists in is very uh, specific to just like that late eighties. I don't know, mentality. I don't know what it is that like really matched up and the evolution of kind of how these movies went. You know, you're, you're right. There, there weren't a lot of mob movies. So to do something like this was, it wasn't like it was, you know, clinging onto a trend or anything where it was just like, Hey, you know, those mob movies you like watching, well, we're going to do a little spin on it, but they kind of, you know, they, it did its own thing, and that's what makes it even cooler. And what makes it even cooler than even cooler is that it is a female-based, you know, it's a female-focused yes. movie. Uh, you know, it's it's focusing on a this woman who's trying to make a better life for herself and, you know, dodging all of these unwelcomed advances from men and, uh, you know... Even though they're taking control, taking control control. of her life. And even though she doesn't have a, uh, you know, there is a romantic interest, but it's like, it doesn't rely on that for it to be a a great movie. It, that's just a thing that happens more or less. And, uh, I think that because Matthew Modine's character stands on his own as, uh, a fully realized character without needing to have the romantic relationship with Michelle Pfeiffer's character. It definitely, you know, helps this movie stand out as, uh, I don't know, a little bit better than it maybe should have been like it's, or or like that you would think it would be really. So kudos to, to Jonathan Demi and, and the whole crew, all of you. Good job. Yeah. Hey, good job. 
Good job. You and did he it. does, by the you way. You did it. And, you know, and speaking of, of his crew, we talked about the actors involved, but he's also he also worked with the same uh, uh, pr- pair of producers, Kenneth Ut and Edward Saxon, and uh, the cinematographer, Tak Fujimoto, who also did uh, Silence of the Lambs. And I want to say oh. the editor, Craig McKay, also did Silence of the Lambs. And uh, wow, yes. Uh, you know, aside from the FBI, how could there be more different movies? You know, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. If only yeah. they they had like Matthew Modine and Oliver Platt in the background. Uh, you know, just kind of like working a case. They're just visiting at Quantico. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Clarice is uh, you know, looking at the microfilm, the micro, the microfiche. Le microfiche. Yeah. So, uh, yes. Dan, it is, we are on the cusp of 2022. You're given a boatload of cash and they say, married to the mob or you get nothing. What do you do? I remake it. Okay. I remake it. Now, I thought about some other things like, you know, pre prequel, you know, with Angela and, and Nick, the, the early years and... But then what are you and what are you doing really? Are you remaking it? Are you making a mob movie? Also the fact that this because this movie came before we learned everything we needed to know about the mob from <laughs> yeah. Martin Scorsese movies and uh Netflix documentaries you could afford like you could that that would be the one challenge about remaking it is kind of keeping it without a lot of like the the realities of the of the mafia right, uh, right and keeping it a comedy i was thinking uh of and i have some ca- i have some casting ideas and uh i'm going to go on a little uh, tiny casting rant okay. about a movie i haven't seen momentarily okay. um, i was think and i was thinking about a, a creative team and it's interesting because the creative team oh why do i feel like i know what you're going to say go on i don't do you what do you think i'm going to say why do I have a feeling you're going to start talking about Greta Gerwig, Saoirse Ronan, Timothy Chalamet? Why are your eyes bulging? Uh, you're, you are, because one out of three ain't bad. Okay. Uh, Greta Gerwig okay. was definitely, I was like, Greta Gerwig could really make this movie well, and Greta Gerwig could also play Angela really well yeah. if she wanted uh-huh. to. Uh, I did not have any, I thought about Timothy Chalamet, but I'm. Uh, he's not there yet for me. Uh, he's just I was, too young. But I was thinking about, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was thinking about Greta Gerwig. I also thought about Michael Showalter as a director and Thomas Lennon and uh, Robert Ben Garen as, uh-huh. as screenwiters. Yeah, that'd be fun. Because uh, that would be fun. And I think Michael Showalter like, could get, not necessarily, du- not duplicate Jonathan Demme's style, but bring a... yeah. You know, he doesn't do he's not he's not exactly a paint by numbers filmmaker. No. And Michael Showalter movies, especially something more like like the Baxter. Uh right. I uh, you know, just kind of going well, he just recently did The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is really great. Uh, oh, I keep forgetting he did yeah, that. Yeah, uh, also Which is interesting. Yeah. He did uh My Name is Doris with Sally Field. Um, I know he did uh, the big sick. He did the big sick. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, pro- probably the most like you know kind of main like, sure just kind of 
standard is a great movie. But so I was thinking, and then in terms of casting, I had some, uh, I, I had some ideas, and I, I'm actually going to start with oh, hold, Tony. Sorry, oh. are you are you talking now about which which director are you talking about with the casting? Either. Okay, go on. Either. Uh, so <laughs> for con, so first of all. All right. I was thinking about I, I basically thought about four characters, Angela, Downey, Tony and Connie. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God damn, I would love to see Oscar Isaac as Tony <laughs> and Jessica Chastain as Connie. OK. And put them together again. And then as so I Jessica was Chastain, about that, who just worked with Michael Showalter. All right. And who also just worked with Oscar well, Isaac. I mean, she again. and Oscar yeah. Isaac. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about right that. There. And and then there's my rant because uh, I have yet to watch being the Ricardos, but oh, okay. yet I have opinions on it. Mostly that Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain would have been <laughs> perfect. Yeah, they would have been fantastic. Um, so I thought about them. And then my other idea for Connie was Cecily Strong. Okay. Uh, you know, of, uh, sure. of SNL fame. Yeah. I, I think about some of her uh, her characters, especially her uh, Janine Pirro uh, on on SNL, and I was like, ah, she'd be a really interesting Connie. And thinking in terms of Tony, and thinking in terms of like non traditional casting, kind of like uh, like Dean Stockwell, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch okay. <laughs> would be yeah, like is. I like you know serious actor, but the guy can have fun, and the guy like he he's fun. He can he can be a lot of fun to watch. Uh-huh. Uh, now, of course, uh, maybe coincidentally, one of my downies is Jesse Plemons. Ah, <laughs> uh, so because I good. thought to myself, I thought to myself, I was like, I, as I was as I was doing my casting, I was like, wow, I could just we could bring out the all stars here, the all stars. Have Jesse Plemons? I mean, why not Timothy Oliphant as Tony the Tiger? Like, oh my God, he'd be so good. He'd be but so I was good. like, we've got we could get Oscar Isaac and Jesse Plemons in there. I had a couple of other thoughts for Downey, and and th- those were uh, I thought uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I'm I I don't know if he would actually be too old. That's isn't it. that weird but, that we've gotten to that point? Yeah, I know. It's it's incredibly well, rare. I was thinking about him. I thought oh, a little bit about Jonah Hill as well. <laughs> well, okay. So for Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he recently did that uh, Apple TV show called Mr. Corman, I believe. Yo, Yo Teach? Not Yo Teach. Mr. Corman. And Mr. it's Corman. it's definitely, I mean, it is not a flat out. It has funny elements to it, but it is about like depression and yeah so uh but he definitely i mean he's mid 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 to late 30s at least like he plays younger than i think he actually is i think he'd make a i think he'd make a pretty good downy uh i don't know if i would prefer jesse to be a little if he'd be able to be like well, he doesn't have to be goofy the way that Matthew Modine was goofy. No, though. yeah. So no, he doesn't have to be, and he doesn't. He doesn't have to be, you know, uh, you know, lanky and right. you know, if you're trying to do something a little different from Matthew Modine, but kind of still get the energy of that character. That was why I thought Jesse Plemons. Yeah, he does that type of thing uh, so well. Uh, and I, th- my my two thoughts for Angela. I already mentioned Greta Gerwig. I also thought Scarlett Johansson would be okay. fantastic. She'd make. A, I thought she'd make a good. 
thought she'd make a really good Angela. So I want to circle back. I just made a circle okay. with my, my hand. Uh, to that what you did. To when you were talking about Michael Showalter directing, uh, you know, Robert Ben-Garant and Thomas Lennon writing. And all I could think was for Tony the Tiger, Ken Marino, and for Connie, oh. Carrie Kenny, and uh, and maybe some newcomers for for Angela and uh, and Matthew Medine's character. But I was just thinking, like, if you're gonna really go like really Paul dig Rudd in there, is Nick or Paul Rudd. Paul, Paul Rudd, he, he, yeah, Paul Rudd could definitely be in there. Uh, he could even just be cucumber. Like, that's why I was saying uh, cu- Nick Frank. Nick Demarco. Yeah, I, I thought oh, it was Frank. Frank. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. 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 So. Yes. Anyway, like oh, you can Ken like really Marino. get into that whole Jeez. group. I uh, you know have like Jolo Trulio as the Oliver Platt character. Yes, your the look on your face is exactly right. You are loving or it. Or Jolo Trulio as Tommy. Jolo Trulio as like pff, anybody. Jolo Trulio just in the movie. God, he's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, like you could do a lot with that specific crew. Um, by the way, I also just want to mention that I haven't seen it yet, but the new Reno 911 uh, movie where they take on QAnon is on. That's going to be on Paramount. Is it? Is it on? I, I don't know. Pa- I don't know Paramount if it Plus, is. Right? I don't know if it is. But it's. Uh, yeah, I think Paramount Plus. But it's like I need to somehow get a trial or something for that one. Yeah, because like <laughs> yeah, I, was, I would I would do that just, just for that. that one because what a great concept. For like a way to like bring that cast of characters together is for them to be searching for QAnon. I mean, I love Reno 911. I definitely went to see uh, the movie when it came out. Yeah, ridiculous. Oh, God, and watched so it a good. few times since. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they just have like such a wonderful sensibility, and I just really appreciate um, what they've brought into the into the world and continue. I love to that bring they're the still world. doing it. Oh God, it's so I love funny that they're still doing yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. So Dan, so I you, I definitely uh, had. I, I was thinking remake too because this is one where it's like uh, you're not going to be ruining anybody's childhood if you remade uh, Married to the Mob. And I no, but what a cool childhood you'd be ruining. I know, though. right? Where somebody's like, oh man, Married to the Mob, that was my jam. You're not going to ruin this one. Uh, and it's it's interesting because I was really trying to think about... Because it's all about the casting be- and, and, and the direction. And, um, you know, I was thinking Paul Feig. It's funny you mentioned him earlier because I was thinking, like, you know, he has that, you know, silly sensibility but can also get shit done um, and make things feel uh, bigger, which I think that uh, Married to the Mob... 1988 you know it feels very isolated it feel like the i don't know i don't know what the difference is now but like think movies now they just feel a little bit more grand but i feel like this new york city that she's living in i don't know if it's intentionally made to feel like a little bit more closed in but i get that feeling like anywhere that she's you know in in new oh. york Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, just eight, like lower the Lower East Side is. I mean, that's yeah. like the tenements, and, everything. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I don't know. I was thinking that Paul Feig would be really cool for that, and I I wasn't really thinking too much about cast. I was really feeling about. I was really thinking more about the director for this one. Um, and and it's interesting because you mentioned that you know these directors have their their cast of characters, their their actors that they use a lot, and the same thing goes you know when trying to think about 
if we're going to be remaking a movie, you know, what director and like who comes with them. And luckily we have, you know, with Paul Feig, who's done so much lately, you have people like Kate McKinnon, who would be like a really, I don't know if she'd be an Angela per se, but like she'd be a really fast, she could be a really fascinating you know, Connie. She could be really fascinating, Connie. Exactly. I. Uh, you have. Um, I mean, clearly, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy and and all them. But like, you know, you have all these awesome people. Like, you have John Hamm, who would be a great Tony the Tiger. Mm, mm. I and I mean, I don't know. If, like, I I think of Bridesmaids and Rose Byrne in that. Uh, Rose Byrne potentially could do Angela. She could. I feel like I don't, I'm not as excited about her as, as yeah. other ideas. Well, that's the thing is I feel like Angela would be really good as kind of like a fresher face person. Um, somebody who's, you know, maybe a little newer to the scene. Newer to the scene in general or newer to the Paul Feig? Oh, no, just to the him. scene in general. I, I mean, I think that because I was thinking about uh, the new West Side Story, which I liked. I thought it was great. And what I one of the things I really liked about it was that most of the cast I had not really seen before. And so uh, it felt like I was definitely in it more because I wasn't thinking about that person in another movie or anything. You mm. know, uh, you had Ansel Elgort, who's, you know, I, I see him, I think, Baby Driver. And, uh, you know, aside from him and like, Rita Moreno, like there's all these people who I just was not familiar with. And it was, it made it really exciting to watch because I wasn't associating them with anything else. So I think that right. for the the role of Angela, it would benefit for there to be somebody who's kind of a, a newer face on the scene. And, and you know, I, I just am not as keen on, on those types of people. Yeah. A ca Camila Cabello. Sure. Will. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I I feel like I need to brush up more on like some of the the newer talents. Female out there. actresses. Female actresses. Google it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So anyway, I agree, I just agree with you. Um, a remake feels like the right move. It would be silly to do a sequel or a prequel for a movie that you know has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit, maybe yeah. wrongfully so, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. Watch Married to the Mob. I just kind of want, I kind of just want like a return to movies like this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it felt like there yeah. were moments where I just like, I enjoyed like the 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 picture. Like I enjoy the, the quality of the picture. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, one, <laughs> one other thought that I had was to kind of do a like 21 Jump Street presents Married to the Mob kind of a situation where it's, oh, okay. you know, it's, uh, it's Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum and they are, they, I mean, I don't want to take, I wouldn't want to take the focus away from the female focus. <laughs> I wouldn't want to take the focus away from the female focus from, you know, like the female centered movie, but uh, yeah. You know, that was just one thought that crossed my mind at one point. But anyway. Yeah. Oh, you know what it was? The performance that stuck into my head that made me think, man, Scarlett Johansson would nail this is Hail Caesar. Her work in Hail Caesar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Made me think, oh, yeah, she she could do this. I was trying to. Uh, yeah, there were I'm like, there were a few other names that crossed my mind, but her and then uh, 
Greta Gerwig being being the other. I'd love to see Greta Gerwig I, do something like this. It's like this would yeah. be fun. That would be something fun to see her doing. Yeah. 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 So, Dan, any final thoughts, or shall we move it on to the uh, to the next episode? Yeah. So for our our uh, for our first uh, batch of episodes in. Uh, 2022, we are presenting, we are welcoming you to January, celebrating the, celebrating the films of Jan de Bont that we have not already celebrated. Yes. Which would be Speed. Yes. Uh, director of, of a few films, but, uh, mostly cinematographer. Uh, one of the, I'm not going to mention the films that he hasn't done because I want to leave it as a surprise, but, uh, you've seen his work. You have seen his work. And in fact, we are going to be, uh, you know, kicking off January with a film that he did not direct, but uh, was the cinematographer for. And that would be 1992's. We're going to heat up your winter with basic instinct. Sharon Stone. I don't know why I'm going to Jiminy Glick. I have no idea. Uh, (laughs) Sharon Stone, Michael Douglas, George Dzinza, and uh, Gene Triplehorn. Yeah, Gene Triplehorn. Uh, Great in this one. I am really... Yeah, in the film, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Yes. Definitely directed by Paul Verhoeven. Yes. Who who has a new new movie out these days? I don't know that I will be... Watching it, yeah, uh, ben- Benedetto, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's also known as the Lesbian Nun movie. Oh, uh, uh, Paul. Verhoeven. Yeah. Oh, now you know what I'm talking about. Uh, or it just makes sense. It just that makes it's Paul sense. Verhoeven. It just makes sense. It's Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna take a look at. Yeah, we're gonna do uh, Basic Instinct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, send us over an email, ruinchildhoodspot at gmail Check out that link tree. Buy some merch. Follow us on social media. Send us your pictures, please. please. That'd be great. Uh, or tag us if you post them online. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, well, flaunt that shit. <laughs> Dan, uh, while you are fleeing from Tony the Tiger inside the bathtub in your kitchen, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. What up, homie? It's your boy, Big Avell, man. Yeah. You know, we mad we did a mob. We there, baby. We in too deep, baby. Yeah, I'll tell you a little more about it here. Let's go. Yeah. She tell me, make sure you can trust me. I got what it takes to carry out the job. Carry out the job. And yeah. them couple, they try to bust me, but couldn't touch me. I'm married to the mom. Married to the mom. Yeah. And even though we getting money, hitting the honey, pimping the hard job. Pimping ain't easy. So come on, baby, I've been patient. I'll take your places. I'm married to the mom. Yeah. I got the Rolls Royce floating like the love boat Been more riding shotgun, I think the bitch she love coke Love dope, my pops used to Back in 69, holding back the big loop Niggas best to get me mine, pop them, that's gon' get me time Sitting in the pen sick, all you seen was tailpipe smoke When the bands get, fix you with some big dick Know you wanna touch it, ma, damn she got some big lips Know you wanna fuck it, ma, know you in that bucket, ma But I can fix you up with something real right I can make you feel nice I can make your pill price tags off the closes, holist, tell your friend to focus, and I hook up with Moses, love to sing your roses, love to sing your soldiers that'll hold the door for you, hit the corner store for you, they be on the door for you, they carry out the job, I'm getting this money, I'm married to the mob, I'm... She tell me, make sure you can trust me, I got what it takes to carry out the job, carry out the job, 
In them covers, they try to push me, but couldn't touch me. I'm married to the mom. And even though we getting money, hitting the honey's pimping the hard job. Life. I'm going broke. This, 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 baby. Like that.